Welcome to the podcast, Life Lessons from Travels Off the Beaten Path. Hi, my name is Justine Murray, and I'm also known as Lighter Step Justine, as we strive to step lightly across the earth and only leave footprints. This podcast is about the life lessons I've learned as a traveler, particularly when I decided to step off the beaten path. Mostly this occurred in the non-digital era when there was no internet or mobile phones. My sometimes bizarre and always unforgettable adventures around the globe, often as a solo woman traveller, gave me great insight into living a fulfilled life, blessed with all my senses, to enjoy the wonders the world has to offer. From wildlife encounters, to midnight crashes, to dodging stalkers and trekking with tribes, to travelling with a child and around work commitments. I will entertain you with my stories and what each adventure has taught me, along with some general travel and life wisdom along the way. I also will be bringing in other travellers who can captivate us with their own travel stories and the life lessons they have learned. So tune in to me each week and let's get entertained with travel. Okay, the next part of the overland trip was finishing driving through Mauritania and into Senegal. Now the border between Mauritania and Senegal is on the actual Senegal River and it's really interesting. So as soon as you cross the border into Senegal, it's like a a definite transition from your Saharan landscape into rangelands and it's also from uh, a cultural point of view from the northern Arab populations and, and the tribes that descended from from the from Arabs uh, into your more African, West African populations, which had descended from the Bantu tribe, and they're all split into obviously into different tribes, but their their common ancestors were, were Bantu speaking people. Uh, so it was, felt much more. Uh, tropical and and uh, what you imagine Africa would be with all the 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 women with their bright coloured clothing and their um, and the African men and uh, you know typical facial features and hair and uh, what you what you normally see. So uh, another thing about when we crossed over, if you remember, I mentioned to you that uh, I was on this truck. Um, just by the skin of my teeth, really, with uh, the the former Overland company that I had paid my money to, had not paid, had not transferred it over to this new company. So I was just lucky to be on it. And and there was uh, four other people, or five other people, and we'd already lost two. And then one of the, one of the others had um, decided that he was going to catch a train. Or, or somehow get over to the eastern side of uh, Mauritania, and um, and and there's a, some sort of train journey in it as well, and then meet up towards the uh, Senegalese border. Uh, he he asked me if I wanted to come, and while well, it sounded very exciting to be doing something so um, off the beaten track, but I just had this vibe not to do it because I did not trust. The leader of the truck to actually, you know, um, promise 
to meet us at a certain place and uh, and do it. And of course, uh, that's what he did. He had promised to meet this guy at a certain place and um, he did not keep that promise. And so we lost another passenger. Uh, and so now there was only three of us, including me from this group um, of people that had not paid well, by the time we hit Senegal. All right, and so we travelled down to Dakar, and as we drove down, I remember transitioning from, you know, the the real desert uh, with the dunes down into the rangeland country, which you know much more vegetation with with the grasses, and uh, you know starting to hit the trees again. And when we got to Dakar, uh, it was it's quite a bustling city, quite a big city. And we we spent over a week here, and this was the time we actually had Christmas in 1993. And so uh, a small group of us went over to Gore Island, which is a um, small island, about half an hour ferry ride across the harbour in a protected bay. And now Gore Island is um, is very small; it's only about 900 metres long and about 300 metres wide. But there's no cars on the island, so it's it got its fame from being considered to be the uh, the the last slave port for West Africa before the slaves left the African continent. It was the last steps they had was on this Gore Island, and uh, this is what it built its history up on and uh, why it attracted its tourists. So it was quite a sobering thought then. This is back in 93. So um, just we just wandered around and had a look at some of the the, the buildings, beautiful buildings, old um, Portuguese buildings and, uh, and historical buildings that the actual island is a UNESCO site and so no modern buildings were allowed to be built on the island and so you know had cobbled streets and uh and these old brightly colored portuguese buildings so it was, it was really quite pretty but it was quite sobering too because of the history behind this um this island and i, I was i was often spent time just looking out to sea and contemplating imagine being a slave and just pulled out of nowhere you know whatever you're doing in your village I had seen um, roots back in the 70s uh, as a child and um, it stuck with me that that story and just so I had this you know imagination about these the the you know, this African population being grabbed and, and kidnapped and transported over to this island and shackled up with you know the neck collars and all the chains around their legs, etc., so they couldn't escape. And then the boats coming in and then being um, piled into the into the boats, lying down, you know, thick as sardines, and uh, then going across to the West Indies and the you know the North and South America to plantations and to run households and etc. Uh, there was a fort on one end of the island. Uh, and there was a, um, on the other end, there was a, a hill, which was a, like a monument area and that had some uh, 
features like a few sort of ditches and um, wasn't very well made up infrastructure. It was just some some ditches and that. So uh, it was quite time to contemplate your your freedom that we take for granted uh, and just because we were, you know, in this case, born white and able to travel and able to just, um, you know, basically ha have a right to our own existence. Whereas, yes, this was back in the 1600s and 1700s, but these, these families were ripped out of nowhere and sent over, split up and, and sent over to different parts of the globe, uh, never to come back on African soil again. And then they developed their own families over there. But um, it, we never really concentrate also on how the families that remained in Africa, how they, um, how they coped with losing different members of their family. So there's been a bit of historical research on Gore Island, uh, including archaeological digs. And it's since been discovered that it wasn't as big a slave port as uh, the Senegalese wanted you to believe. Most of the slaves went through either St. Louis up in uh, northern Senegal or down through the Gambia in uh, other parts of um, West Africa where they got sent from and it actually was just a the story was created to uh, create a tourism industry uh, which worked of course uh, so um, it was quite smart in a way but really the the island actually only had maximum probably 500 slaves go through each year uh, but it's still something to consider about being the the slave island. So one thing I remembered when I was wandering around Goray Island was I'd hear these African drums and I remember coming across uh, going down one of the alleyways and there was a group of uh, people playing the djembe and it was some of the most amazing music I'd heard. Uh, they used to gather there every afternoon and there's probably about four drummers and some others that had the shakers and they created this unbelievable music similar to what you hear now this is from the djembe and so every afternoon I went and I got to know the band and the people associated with the band and they were uh, descendants of the, the region and they were very much into their music and the whole lifestyle of um, yeah, it's a bit the Rastafarian had obviously come across there so it was very big into uh, uh, you know smoking a bit of weed and having a jam session and really just getting into whatever you play uh, they had actually created a CD out of it, so I bought the CD, and uh, it's you know I spent quite a while traveling through the whole of Africa, and 
I never heard better music played using the African drums than what I heard on Goray Island. It was just uh, phenomenal. And so that is how I spent my Christmas there. Uh, every day just enjoying the music and really getting into the, the vibe of being in Africa. This I was in Africa. This was it. This was the real Africa with all its um you know its culture and its music and its scenery and its history, whether it's you know tragedy or not, it was I was here, I was immersed in it. I, it was fantastic and I was hearing and I was I was uh, associating with the locals and really getting to understand what how they thought about the world and how things were um, were panning out. And so we we eventually got called back to the mainland and back on the truck. Um, so what did I learn about being Senegal? The biggest thing that stood out for me was the Goray Island and the, its association with the slave trade, how we take our freedom for granted and we just, you know, just that I was, I felt I was in a way not really living roots but I I was so close and even though it probably didn't happen at Goray Island uh, and it was interesting later to read about the research about it and what they actually did find, uh, just to realise that this is where thousands, thousands and thousands of human beings were shipped over to the Americas and their freedom was taken from them. And from what I read, over 30% of those people that did that journey died on that journey. You know, they were packed in like sardines in these ship holes. They weren't allowed up. And when people died, they were just left on the chains. And, and it's, and, you know, these people were just, Their, their you know, hearts ripped from them, I mean, taken from their motherland of Africa. Uh, it would have been extremely traumatising. And then if you think about, you know, the imagine you're at home, you know, myself being a parent now, imagine you're at home and your child has not come home and you never know. I mean, it's always that case in Africa when you've got the wild animals, but um, this was many many people disappearing and getting caught in the slave caravans, you know, all the way through the sub-Sahara and into the Sahara where people were captured and taken down. Uh, it's quite sobering and, and very much our history. As far as the, uh, the, the music in Africa, it's something to... I just love the drums and it's something 
that really got me into the spirit of Africa um, and to see these people really, this is how they express themselves. They're like probably most musicians around the world. Uh, they express themselves through their music and they all were great singers. They would just sing and they're unimpeded by people. Uh, and what people thought, they just sang. And it was uh, a wonderful experience to remember and to n know that if if things like singing and, and uh, playing music makes you happy, just don't worry what other people think. Don't worry about being judged. Just sing from the heart. Sing from your soul. You... You know, this is this is you showing your real self. And if you don't have the talent with singing and music, who cares? Dance, do anything. Just do what makes you happy. And let your inner child out and make yourself be just one with, with yourself. And don't worry about being judged. Don't worry about uh, what people think of you. It's you're only here once, dance to your own music. Okay, I'll talk to you next time. Like always, I want to leave you with a thought to consider. What is your environmental and cultural footprint when you travel? How are you showing up to the country and the culture you are showing up with to make a better interaction for all concerned? Leaving the environment as you found it, Reducing your impact on local resources and cultures to come out with such a positive outlook for both the local population and environment and yourself. Okay, please follow my podcast if you're enjoying what you are hearing and share it to others so they too may be inspired. I will catch you next time.